I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. And welcome back to the show. Uh, my name is Dan, your host for this episode. And I am joined today to, uh, I, am, I am joined today by someone who wants to share their survivor story. And, uh, and this conversation came up because we had a conversation on a different podcast. I do a few of these. And as this conversation came up, I thought, oh my gosh, this, I love to bring this to our listeners. So for those of you listening, um, we are privileged today to be joined by Amy Mallon, who is the co-founder of an organization called True Heart that does a lot of stuff. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, Amy, first of all, thank you so much for being here with us and willing to share your story. Thank you, Dan, for having me. And thank you for creating a safe space for survivors to share their inspiring stories and to provide hope and help for people on their journey of healing. It is an absolute privilege and an honor to be part of this uh, journey for folks and to be one of, one of the guides that gets to be that. So thank you for that. Um, I know that your professional story is a pretty, in my opinion anyway, a pretty impressive one. I love what you and your co-founder, your husband ha happens to be, are doing. Um, let's start there, if you would. Share a little bit about what you two do, what True Heart is, and then we'll get into like how you got there and what your survivor story role plays in that all. Sure. Um, I am the co-founder of the True Heart Cause Agency, which I started 24 years ago. And we work at the intersection of Hollywood and philanthropy. So Scott and I specialize in connecting celebrities and purpose-driven brands to team up and help raise millions of dollars for deserving causes. And we create global social impact campaigns that shine a spotlight on the noble mission of the charities while driving hundreds of millions to billions of earned media impressions across traditional and social media. And through that work over the last two decades and being blessed to work with so many amazing people in sports and entertainment who want to use their platform to make a difference, Scott and I were always thinking about ways to innovate and be creative to help democratize philanthropy and make it more inclusive. So we launched this summer our second purpose-driven company, our True Heart Social Impact Search Engine. And that is a way where everybody can help change the world by searching with us at trueheart.com. We donate 80% of our net profits to six amazing charities who work to help people, animals, and the planet. We're super proud to support Smile Train, Action Against Hunger, Global Green, Four Paws for Ability, PFLAG National, and Variety Boys and Girls Club. And so, you know, we thought there were billions of people in the world with big hearts, and they want to make a difference and transform their local communities. 
but most people don't have disposable income to donate to charity. And so that's why we harness the power of tech for good. And we created a free and easy tool that allows people to convert their searches to donations. And then our community of users gets to see where every dollar goes to make a difference by the incredible funded dream projects that we're making a reality. So, you know, a few quick examples, we're planting trees in the Amazon rainforest with our friends at Global Green in order to fight climate change. Our friends at Action Against Hunger are providing meals and essential services for millions of families in over 46 countries around the world. And our friends at PFLAG National are providing life-saving support to LGBTQ plus people in this country. So, you know, those are just three of the six amazing projects that we're funding, but you get to take your power back and consciously commit to having your searches online make a social and environmental impact. So, for us, it's about doing a little bit of good every day and inspiring others to join us and create this ripple effect of goodness in the world. And it's succeeding and you're building a business and you've been on several podcasts, you're telling your story. All of this started um, from what we've talked about and from what I've read and heard uh, from your your grandmother, your, your Nima. But there's a secondary part to that. Um, share real quick, if you would, about your Nima. And then let's talk about the secondary part of why your heart is just so darn big. Oh, thank you, Dan. Um, so I think a lot of people have folks in their lives that inspire them and are kind of like their North Star. For me, that was Nima, my grandma. And just from the moment that I was born, I felt this instant, like beautiful connection with her. She radiated love and positivity. She wasn't a professional fundraiser, but she loved helping charities and causes in need. And she became president of multiple organizations like City of Hope and ORT, her local chapters in South Florida. And, you know, as a, as a little girl who looked up to her and just admired her so much, I watched her put on these charity fashion shows or dial for donations, um, you know, gather items for silent or live auctions. And I was just so impressed that my Nima always answered the call for help. She never said no when someone said, hey, can you help me out with this? Or there are people in need in the community that are struggling. She just took it all on. And I was so amazed and in awe of her. And I was soaking up all of that inspiration, you know, my whole life. And it, it really made a lasting impression on me where I decided I want to live like her and I want to be someone who gives back and is the person that people can count on. And so I just feel really blessed that the person that was my number one fan and my biggest, you know, support system and person who taught me what unconditional love is all about also inspired me to live this life of service and to help me find my purpose. Living a life of service and answering the call uh, that speaks to me. So on a, such a personal level, my, my wife and I do the same thing. We're teaching our kids that it is such an amazing way to live. Um, now, in addition to that layer and that nod to your Nima, you also, as we discussed, have a, a bit of a survivor story. Um, when we talked on a different show, you mentioned that and almost in passing and like thought, in my mind, I thought, I don't know if she's actually told that story before. Like, this sounds like a deeper story to tell. Why is it 
So let me ask, first of all, the why. Why is your experience as a survivor impacting what you do today? Yeah, um, and it's something that, you know, we can talk more about um, in depth in this conversation, but living a life of service and giving back has been one of the most important tools on my journey of healing. When I realized that I wasn't the only one in pain and that everyone has gone through some sort of tragedy or trauma or has overcome obstacles, it made me feel like I wasn't alone in the world. It it started to become less overwhelming for me because I realized that other people can relate to what I'd been going through. And so forming these deep bonds and these real connections with other people Um, was something that really saved me and transformed my life. I've always felt that you haven't truly lived unless you've shared both joy and pain with other human beings. And so when I would be volunteering and giving back, and I was in this place privately dealing with so much pain and not even having come to the terms of really naming and reconciling the things that I had been through as a survivor of domestic violence and sexual assault and human trafficking, whether I was volunteering with wounded veterans um, or foster kids or the homeless population or animal rescue groups um, or children's hospital patients, the, the common bond and the thread throughout was people were hurting and they were looking to find a source of hope and love and joy. And so every time I was giving, I was getting back so much more in return. I would just leave, you know, coming from this place, walking in with so much pain and sadness, but focusing all of my time and energy and love and attention on the people I was serving and wanting to show up and be there for them it actually lifted me up in the process. So I'd walk out on cloud nine, like on the biggest, you know, natural positive high and say, wow, this is amazing. And it became a positive addiction, you know, Um, doing good feels good. And the more good you do, the more good you want to do. So it became for me this point where, you know, going back to when I was in these experiences of interpersonal violence, There were so many times where I literally thought I wasn't going to live to see another day. The situation was very dire. It's a miracle that I'm still here. And I know that I am blessed. Um, But I made a promise to myself that if I did live, I would use my time, energy and talent to give back and make a difference. And my reason for being would not be in vain. I, I would be here and show up with gratitude for the second or in my case, I feel like I've almost lived like a cat's life with with nine plus chances, but I would show up um, with so much love and gratitude for being able to still be here and use the time that I have to make a difference and connect with other people and use my pain as a powerful way to help others and inspire them to see that that pain does not have to overwhelm you and it does not have to overtake your life, but there's a way to walk through the fire and come out on the other side more than okay, doing really good and having an amazing life that you have the power to create for yourself. Yeah. So much hope and love and in, in, in all of what you say. Um, let's, I want to come back to that hope and that light and stuff. Let's, let's, what whatever you're willing to share with folks, I believe that this connection 
is so important. When someone hears this and says, oh, that's what you went through. That's what I'm going through. Or they say, well, gosh, that sounds even worse than what I'm going through, but I'm still going through this or, or whatever we can do to, to elicit empathy and connection. Um, if you'd be willing to share a little bit, what does that story of domestic violence, human trafficking, sexual abuse, what did that look like for you? Sure. Um, before I share, I just want to say to everyone listening to provide a trigger warning and let you know that we're going to be discussing these difficult subjects of domestic violence and sexual assault and human trafficking and stalking and harassment. And I acknowledge that this content is really difficult and sensitive, and I encourage you to care for your safety and well-being. And if you are in need of help, please call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 800-656-HOPE. That's 800-656-4673. They provide 24-7 confidential support. I've used the hotline myself. It is filled with the most caring, beautiful people who are there to listen and provide resources for you. So I just wanted to acknowledge that you know, whether you can relate to my story and you've been through something similar or you're listening because you have loved ones or friends who are survivors, it brings up a lot of feelings and self-care is so important. So please take care of yourselves. Um, and sharing a bit about my story, really the first 30 years of my life, um, I was just trapped in this cycle of abuse um, lots of physical, sexual, emotional, and then as I, as I got older, financial abuse as well. And I think worse than the physical wounds of the trauma were the emotional and psychological wounds because the invisible wounds of what I went through as a survivor of domestic violence and sexual assault and human trafficking were the hardest ones for me to deal with you know, PTSD, anxiety, depression, nightmares, having full-blown panic attacks in public places. Um, I think people who haven't been through this sort of experience really can't understand how debilitating the invisible wounds of trauma can be. About nine years ago, I was at the gym and I saw a man that looked eerily similar to the one that trafficked me. It wasn't the same person, but he just had a lot of the same physical characteristics. And I had a full blown panic attack. And it's one of the most frightening things that happened to me. I physically froze, I couldn't move. I went blind for minutes. Like I didn't think when it was happening that my sight was gonna come back. It was so scary. I couldn't see anything. My hearing was all fuzzy. It was like hearing the static, you know, from a radio or, or TV, but like blasting in your ears. Um, my heart was pounding out of my chest. I started hyperventilating and I couldn't breathe. Um, I went into a full on sweat. Like it looked like I just did the Iron Man. I mean, I was just profusely sweating. And luckily there was a trainer that I was friends with um, who was there that noticed that something was like really off. And he came up to me and he was trying to talk to me, but I couldn't hear him and I couldn't see him. I just saw like a fuzzy kind of tall figure in front of me. And inside in that moment, it felt like I was going to die. Like, I didn't know how was this thing going to end? And, you know, my friend put his hands on my shoulders and just kept repeating, like, you are safe. 
you are okay. Everything is going to be fine. You are safe. You're okay. Everything's going to be fine. And about 10 minutes later, he just kept repeating it. I came back and come to realize we sat down and talked. He was a survivor of child sexual abuse. And so he was actually able to recognize because he had been through this um, as his experience, what it's like to have a full-blown panic attack and be triggered in public. So he was really responsive and compassionate and empathetic with me. And he was so brave and vulnerable to share his story um, that it really made me feel better. And then I was able to share what I had been through and we, you know, we bonded over that, but that was my first experience. And I, I had been through so many different types of experience with experiences with the invisible wounds of my trauma, but where something happened in a public place where it felt so dire, like I was in grave danger. Um, and so I was just really lucky in that instance that I had someone who was able to identify and recognize what I was going through and be there to support me. Um, you know, as a young woman, after experiencing multiple sexual assaults, um, being trafficked, it took me like a decade to even be able to process what it means that there was some point in my life where somebody considered me their property and then sold me to another person. To name that and to identify it, it was re-traumatizing for me because I had to like relive those events, but it was necessary. I, I had to do it but it was this reckoning that happened in my life. And once I finally dealt with all of these, you know, toxic, negative, poisonous feelings as a result of the physical and sexual and emotional trauma that I had sustained, which had been manifesting, you know, in me for 30 years of my life. And once I put a name to it and acknowledge these things, I was able to really um, talk about it with other people that I trust, who I knew would show up for me with love and support. I was able to forgive myself um, and release feelings of shame and guilt. Like I didn't do enough to protect myself or how did I end up in these situations? And I was able to start my journey of healing. Um, but there were so many times going through those experiences where when I was held captive by the person who trafficked me, that you know, you're know you under the threat of violence. And I want people to understand who are listening, who might not have the personal experience of having been abused or assaulted or trafficked. You know, I hear people say, well, how come you just didn't run away? Or how could you let that happen? All these shame and blame tendencies that really hurt survivors in a deep, deep way and re-victimize them. It's not easy. You know, when, when someone is hurting you under the threat of violence for you or the people you love, there's no way out. In my situation, my, my Nima and Tata's lives were being threatened. And I cared more about protecting my grandparents than I did about the value of my own life. 
And, you know, when someone told me they were going to murder my Neman Tata and provided me with enough evidence and proof that they knew where they lived and they had people watching them, I couldn't think of anything but doing whatever it took to keep them safe. And so when people make these threats against your life or the people you love, and they show you that they make good on their promises, not in a good way, you trust them, you know? You trust that they're gonna carry out those threats. So you find yourselves in these situations where sometimes it's not just about your own survival, but it's about protecting the people that you love more than anything in the world. And I was never gonna let anything happen to my Nima and Tata. So I kept them in my hearts the entire time that I was going through that situation. In fact, I would, I would call out to them. It was one of the things that gave me strength and, and kept me going. I would call out to them and even though they weren't there and they couldn't hear me, but I would tell them that I love them and I knew that they loved me and I would be okay and I would be able to see them again. And there were times when I was being assaulted where, you know, a lot of survivors of assault will tell you, you, you disassociate, you know, you have to do this in order for self-preservation. It's like an out-of-body experience. You're like floating outside of your body. Mm -hmm. And I would go to that place and I was watching myself, such a weird experience, but I was watching myself go through these horrible assaults and beatings. And I would just try to show up and remind myself who was being hurt in these brutal ways that I was going to be okay. And then I have to keep fighting and not to give up that I had so much to live for. And even when the pain, the physical pain was unbearable and the emotional and psychological abuse and torture that I endured of being told that I was going to be killed on a daily basis and the people I love the most were going to be killed. I just always focused on trying to hold on to hope and this love that got me through the darkest times in my life was one of the most powerful forces that I've ever felt. So you know, I would say, gosh, you could talk about this for, for years, <laughs> you know, all yeah. the experiences that, that survivors have had, um, you know, as I shared with you, Dan, on the other podcast, I was also homeless twice to escape situations of violence. And I spent years literally looking over my shoulder, being afraid of being found and I was stalked by some of these bad people from my past for a long time. And I thought, wow, how do people live like this? It's so, so overwhelming. You know, when you wake up every day and you're afraid for your safety, that's just no way to live. Yeah. And so coming out of it on the other side, once I was able to start my journey of healing and kind of get some of this off my chest 
and find people in my life that love me, that I love and trust, and I could share what I had been through, I realized that I wasn't alone and that this pain from my past, it can stay there in my past where it belongs. One of my favorite yoga teachers says, the past is history, the future is a mystery, the present is a gift. And I really love that. It's so profound and beautiful. And, you know, they're words that stick with me because I don't want to give the time and power and attention to these negative things that happen to me so that they can affect my present or destroy my future. They don't get to do that. And I hope that everyone listening who can relate and who is a survivor of abuse and assault understands that you are not the things that happen to you. Those are events that were brought on by people who were hurting because hurt people hurt people. It is not an excuse for what they've done, but those are people that are broken inside and have not dealt with their own trauma. So they're running around hurting other people. You are not to blame. You do not deserve any of the horrible things that happen to you. You are amazing. You are beautiful. You are love. You are worthy. You are all of the, the pure joy and love that you were when you were brought into this universe. And so do not let those painful events of your past overtake you. If you flip the script in your mind and you focus on the positive, focus on the fact that you are still here. You survived. You beat the odds. Those things did not break you. That is something to be celebrated, to be honored. Imagine instead from this place of positivity, how it feels to reclaim your power and understand what it means to truly be unbreakable. You had this traumatic event, but you are still here. So I want people to focus on that because that is an important first step in the recovery and healing process. So much there, Amy. I can't thank you enough for, for sharing so raw. Um, obviously difficult. Um, as you mentioned at the beginning of all of that, if, you, if, you're, if you're listening and you're having trouble, please reach out, um, take care of yourself. One of the things that you said that really hit me was when your friend who is a trainer grabbed your shoulders and said, you are safe. That was something that they did right. Your yoga teacher helping you to focus on the present rather than the past, something they did right. Folks who have been in your life have gotten some things right. How can we get things right for those around us who we may think are going through something? What, what should we be doing and thinking about when we're interacting with folks who are hurting? Show up with love and support and never with judgment. Because as I said a moment ago, nobody deserves to be abused or assaulted or harassed or stalked or mistreated. These horrible things happen. And when they do, people need to move from victim to survivor mode. And in order to do that, they cannot walk on this path alone. They need the unconditional love and support of family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, people to let them know that they are not alone and that it's going to be okay. So listen, show up and really listen 
to what the people in your life who are hurting have to say, and then be there to support them. Let them know that no matter what they share, you are not judging them. You create a safe space, just like you do so well, Dan, on this podcast, which I appreciate, but that you're creating a safe space to just be there and listen. Sometimes really people need someone to just listen, to say nothing but listen so that they can get all of those feelings out. It might be the first time that someone has ever said these words aloud. And there's so much value in that to show up and be that person for the one who's hurting and and is in pain. Sometimes people need you to offer them some helpful advice or resources. So I always tell um, survivors that that I'm counseling and trying to help on their journey of healing, you know, there are some great books that, um, and, and I can email them to you, Dan, to put in the show notes, uh, but that friends and family members of survivors can read to understand what it is like to experience this level of abuse and trauma. So, you know, for example, if you are a survivor of trauma and then you're in a romantic relationship and you're, um, you know, feeling really scared about being intimate, that's normal. That happens all the times to, to survivors. But if your partner is unaware of what you've been through and your feelings and how they're affecting you, your partner inadvertently, uh, you know, not trying to hurt you on purpose, but might start feeling rejected or like you don't find them attractive or want to be with them. And that could be the farthest thing from the truth. It's really like self-preservation and, and trying to protect yourself because you could be re-triggered, you know, as I shared with like the earlier episode I had been through in the gym, um, or something comes up for you, or you're trying to work yourself back to a place where you feel comfortable with physical and sexual intimacy. And you can trust your partner with your eyes closed and know that it's going to be a safe experience. And a beautiful, positive one, not a negative, toxic, or violent one. So, you know, your partner needs to understand that that could come up for you and then what to do if it does, you know, if you start experiencing, you know, if you're, if you're having sex with a partner and you're a survivor and, and you are getting triggered or you're having a panic attack or something happens, you have to alert your partner and then just stop. You know, the only thing matters is you feeling safe and healthy and okay. So you, you have to just acknowledge what's happening and just stop and then talk about it. And your partner will still love you and be there and understand, you know, you and what you're going through. But that's where, you know, partners of survivors, you know, reading books about trauma um, experiences and becoming trauma informed is so important. Um, and, and also encouraging the survivor to take self-care measures. You know, I read something really beautiful recently that said if everybody in the world took just five minutes out of our day to do something that brought us joy, the world would be such a beautiful place. We all deserve more than five minutes, but I think sometimes we're not really kind to ourselves. And you know, we work ourselves to the bone or we do so much for other people and it's kind of human nature to put ourselves last, um, but be a little selfish. It's important for your mental health 
no matter if you're a survivor of abuse and, and violence or not, just for everybody, self-care is important. So whether that's, you know, taking a walk outside, meditating, doing a hot yoga class, one of my favorite things to do, you know, um, cuddling your fur baby, your dog or your cat, you know, talking to your best friend because they make you giggle and, and make you happy. Do that one thing that brings you joy every single day and it will work wonders for your mental health. And if you're the family member or a friend of someone who is trying to move forward on their journey of healing, encourage them to do that because it will make a world of difference. You mentioned fur babies in our house. It could be a scale baby. We have a snake. So, um, <laughs> yeah, scale babies too. One of the, one of the things that you mentioned, and you just said now too, that brings to mind for me is part of our mission at Dasis is empowerment. It isn't about directing their lives, telling them what to do. If you can give advice or resources, that's great when they're open to it, but the empowerment of it, helping them, assisting them, not telling them what to do. Well, you need to leave. You need to do this. This is what you should do next. Um, is that part of what we can get right to? Absolutely. I think offering up programs, resources, tools that people can use in their toolbox on their journey of healing is so valuable. You know, thinking back to the time when I was in this crisis, I had no idea where to go for help. I didn't know that there were these nonprofits like the one in which you're giving your time and, and energy to. Um, and so many others that are there to provide programs and resources for survivors. I actually think we have a major problem in this country around educating people of where to go when they need help, whether it's mental health and suicide prevention, help if you're you know, a veteran or service member, help if you're a survivor of violence. I mean, there are tools out there and available. Most people just don't know how to access them or where to find them. And so, you know, I always tell people healing is not a one size fits all program. You know, what works for me might not work for you. And let me tell you, Dan, I have tried almost everything, but it is trial by fire, right? Because you have to try a lot of things to find what works for you. For example, I tried talk therapy. I have a lot of friends who are survivors that swear by it. It's work for them to speak with a psychiatrist or a psychologist. And I'm so happy that that's working for them. It did not work well for me. It doesn't mean that it's not valuable for other people. I think a major part of that was that unfortunately I had therapists that were not very compassionate human beings, which sounds kind of crazy because that's the profession they pick to allegedly want to help people. But I actually had therapists that shamed me when I poured my heart out and shared my experiences with them. So I'd show up and, you know, pay them for what I thought was help only to get shamed and blamed uh, for my experiences as, as a survivor and then re-traumatize. So um, I think it was just a function of not having the right people for me. Um, yeah. One of the things, though, that I really encourage people to do, and it created a massive shift in my life when I was 30, is what I've now come to understand years later, there's actually a term for it, and it's called mirror work. And for me, it was just something that um, I did. I don't even know the reason why I did it. Maybe it was some sort of like divine intervention that led me there. But one morning I woke up and I walked to the mirror in my bathroom and I just looked myself in the eye and I kept repeating, 
I am worthy. I am love. And for hours, in some points, I was whispering it. Some points I was saying it in my normal speaking voice. Some points I was screaming it. And I did it until I cried out every like ounce of pain that I could feel at that moment. And I had nothing left to give. Like it felt like I just, you know, ran a marathon. Um, but it was so powerful to look at myself in the mirror and change that negative, toxic, I call it remix that had been playing in my head for so long, where I was programmed to believe that I was worthless and unlovable and that I didn't deserve this beautiful life. And to literally change the record and then tell myself that I was worthy and I was love and I did deserve a beautiful life. And then to finally believe it and accept it. Because until you do, until you do love yourself, nobody else can show up and, and really love you in that way. So that mirror work, as it's called, is so important and good for you. Um, being out in nature, studies show that that's proven to work wonders for our body, mind, and spirit. For me, I was hiking twice a day and I just felt at peace and at calm. And so I, I encourage you like get outside and just breathe, you know, and let it all go. Um, music meditation is something else that I did a lot of, and I've recommended it to survivors and a lot of folks have found it to be beneficial. And so what that is, is um, you find a song, you play it like 20, 30 times in a row and you attach your pain to those lyrics and you cry it all out and you let it go. So when you're done listening to the song now, the pain has left with those, those lyrics. And it was a really powerful way for me because he, uh, music is also you know, a universal language and, and a cleansing kind of form of communicating through, through sound and, you know, and beautiful lyrics. It was a powerful way for me to let a lot of things go. Um, hot yoga, I recommend. That has been one of the most amazing, amazing tools for me on my journey. It's, um, it's very healing from a physical standpoint uh, because it's so good for your body, but also we store a lot of issues in our tissues, um, our hips especially. So when you're in a lot of these yoga poses, you are opening up your hips and where this trauma is being stored, you're able to release it. So there are so many times where I'm on my mat and I am just crying, like things will come up, events from my past, and I am crying and I am letting it go. And when I walk out because of the heat also, like just activates your sympathetic nervous system, I've released so much pain and trauma. So I have found that to be an amazing gift. And I actually recommended hot yoga it was, I want to say like three months ago to a new survivor friend. And he has told me that he's been going three times a week and it's been life-changing for him. So I was so grateful that it's working for somebody else. Um, mm. And the last thing I want to say is forgiveness. So forgiveness is for you. It's not for the people that hurt you. Mm. First of all, as we mentioned earlier, release all feelings of shame and guilt. You did nothing wrong. Okay. So forgive yourself. What happened to you was not your fault. Mm. People that abuse, that assault, that traffic, that stalk, that harass, they are hurt people hurting other people. Okay. 
It's not an excuse to do what, what they're doing, but it has nothing to do with you. The late, great Carrie Fisher said something that I really love, and that is that resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And there are words that I decided to live by because it's a game changer when you really think about it, right? These people hurt you, but then you're giving them the power to continually hurt you by giving that this time and attention that it does not deserve. You have so many beautiful, amazing things to accomplish in your life. So why give those bad, evil, toxic people and the things they did to you all of your time and attention? An exercise that you could try, which is really healing, and it might work for you, is you write letters to the people that hurt you and you say everything you want to say completely unfiltered. Don't hold back. The act of writing things down has been proven to be very therapeutic, right? So just the act of writing things down will help you reconcile them and let it go. But then you don't mail the letters, okay? I'm not telling you to have contact with your abusers. Don't mail the letters. Instead, go outside and get a you know large enough unburnable bowl or container like made of metal or glass and burn those letters. And it's a very cleansing and healing process. A lot of cultures have these sort of Um, burning rituals, you know, around different important dates or life cycle events, but it's a way where you can just let that go, the pain associated with those events. And if you don't feel like doing a burning ceremony, rip those letters to shreds or put them in a shredding machine, it's going to feel equally as good. But that's another exercise that you could do um, that I think is really helpful. And, you know, the final thing that we talked about earlier, that was literally the game changer in my life was acts of service. And I know it might sound counterintuitive because while you're hurting, you feel like I need the help. I need the support, but I promise you, if you get out there and volunteer and put your heart and your mind coming from a place of wanting to connect with other human beings and give back, you are going to get so much more then you are giving and your heart will begin to heal. It will save you in the way that it saved me because you will then realize we are not alone. Everyone has been through some sort of pain or suffering. And if you look at it like you're baby stepping each day, it doesn't become so overwhelming. You know, don't think about it like I have to find a way to get through this pain for the rest of my life. You don't, you just have to find a way to get through that pain today and wake up the next morning because every day is a new day. So if you're having a bad day and your brain starts going to these bad places where you're overwhelmed and you're not sure if you could keep going on, just think about making it to the next morning because every morning you get to restart It's like being reborn, you know, it's a new day. And I promise you with every new day where the sun rises, it's a promise for something beautiful. So don't be overwhelmed. You don't have to think about what your life is going to look like in the next year, the next 10 years, the next 50 years, just get through today. And when you need help, pick up the phone and ask for it. The people that love you and care about you, they will not let you down. Give them the opportunity to show up for you. 
and fall backwards and trust that they will catch you because they will. The ones that love you will not be scared of what you've been through. We all have emotional baggage. No one is immune to that. I showed up to my relationship with my wonderful husband, Scott, with like a house full of baggage, you know, and I was afraid, like, who's going to stick around for someone that's been through the crazy shit that I've been through. But that's what love is, you know, and he saw it as a beautiful and awesome responsibility to go on this journey with me to deepen our relationship and trust and intimacy. And in helping me heal, Scott says he also grew as a person because he developed more compassion and empathy. And even though our experiences couldn't be more different from each other, he's able to just relate to me, human being to human being, because he has a heart and saw that I was hurting and saw that I was in pain but let me know that he wasn't going anywhere and he was going to show up every day with love and support. And I, I am so grateful. I am, I am truly blessed to have that in my amazing partner. And I hope that everyone who's listening, who's been through abuse and trauma has someone in their life that, that they can count on. I, I believe everyone has that person who's willing to show up and be there for them. I mean, I can't thank you enough for the the hope of healing that you've brought to the listeners for sharing so openly what you've been through um, and just for bringing that positivity. The fact that you and your partner, business partner slash life partner have built something so beautiful out of the ashes of so much trauma can bring so much hope. Um, so thank you so much. Listeners, uh, look Amy up online, Amy Malin, M-A-L-I-N, True Heart dot com. Um, Amy, I just, I just can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for being a part of, I'm not in an abusive relationship. Thank you so much, Dan, for having me today, for giving me a space to share my story. And I just want to say to the, the people, my closing thought would be, if you've been through these traumatic experiences, there is hope on the other side, you know, walk through the fire, but on the other side of it is waiting a beautiful life filled with love for you and you are worthy and you are love and you deserve it. And I, I really hope that you believe that because that is one of the most important parts of healing yourself. So believe that you are worth it and you deserve love and you will create this beautiful life that you deserve. And if I can ever be, you know, a resource or a friend to you, please email me through our website at wearetrueheart.com. It's part of my reason for being here. You know, I believe I went through these experiences just so I can be someone that people can count on and, and help people get through the tough times and also rally people around good causes and coming together to support one another. So I will always make time um, to to listen and help however I can. Thank you for that. Yes, wearetrueheart.com for for that. Um, Amy, so well said. I won't I won't try and put a bow on it. Well well said. Thank you. Thank you for listening to I'm Not in an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website. D-A-S-A-S-M-I dot org. That's dasismi.org. Or call our hotline at 800 828 
888-888-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.